We are related to welcome you to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Inspiring Voices is a one-of-a-kind show designed to recognize and highlight current mathematics classroom teachers and provide a positive platform that allows their authentic voices to be heard. Sophie Brady has taught in New York City schools for 20 years. She had amazing elementary school classrooms as a child and knew in the fourth grade that she wanted to create the same experiences for students one day. Through math, she found a passion that she shares with teachers and students every day. Let's welcome Sophie Brady to Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. Well, how are you doing Thank today? Thank you. Thank you for that warm introduction. I had a lot of energy. When I <laughs> saw at the elementary level you wanted to be a math teacher, I was like, we got to bring it differently because at the elementary level, and I'm speaking to my elementary teachers who I love. We are the we best. Can, we yes. can craft that mind yes. and craft what mm -hmm. they're doing. So in fourth grade. Yes. What happened? I, I had an amazing teacher. I had her, Chris Payak, Cambridge, Massachusetts, if you're out there. I had her, Chris for fourth and fifth grade, and she created a classroom. I look forward to coming in every day. There were kids who, all different types of kids doing all different types of things, and she had us working together and getting to know each other, and our families knew each other. She took us on trips, and I, you know, I, I felt like I belonged in the classroom, and I think my my friends did. I don't think we would have all been friends if we weren't given this this space to really discover who we are, what we had in common. And I, I really do. I remember sitting there and thinking one day I want to do the same thing for kids. I didn't know it was going to be math. That kind of happened later. But I just wanted to create the same kind of community one day for kids so that they would have the same experience I had. In your educational environment now, you're building this magical community space that started when you were in fourth grade. Tell me about this environment that you've created now where you're at. Well, my goal is that every math classroom in our school is a place where when kids come in, they feel like they belong. I think for so long, we've had this idea that some of us are math people and some of us aren't. And that has been a completely debunked. And now we know better. And we know that math is about more than just speed and memorization and following procedures, right? We know that math is about reasoning and thinking, communicating, explaining your thinking to other people, and we're all capable of doing that. So, so my vision is for every child in our school to identify as a mathematician. When they walk into a classroom, I can do math, and they raise their hand and they participate. I think math presents this opportunity to create community um, and have the kids feel like they belong rather than this kind of divide math is for me or math isn't for me because we're, we're past that now. We know better. You're working with math leaders within your school. I should mm -hmm. call them math leaders too because mm -hmm. you're a math leader to develop this community. What are some of your go-to strategies for the math leaders out there watching this of how are you doing mm -hmm. this? Like, what does that look like from a practical stance mm -hmm. of, no offense, adults, Working with adults is a little bit more challenging than working with children. <laughs> you said it, not me. I, I said it. it. I said it. So what is that like in, in crafting and molding them to develop this whole culture? Well, that's such a good question because it really depends on the teacher's own mathematical experience growing up. So part of our work, part of my work is helping te some, te some teachers kind of overcome math anxiety that they have from when they were in fourth grade. I mean... Any math workshop I've done for parents, teachers, if you ask uh, the participants what are, some name, what are some words that come to mind when you think about math, you always hear traumatic, shaming, um, like often there's 
tears. Right. You know, it's an emotional experience for people. And sometimes those same people are element, elementary school math teachers and they have to teach math every day. Right. So part of it, part of my job is breaking down math and making giving teachers the experience of also identifying as mathematicians and feeling confident with math. Because if you're not confident with your subject, it's really hard to inspire, right? So a lot of my work is about looking at the math with teachers, understanding it, making it a safe space for people to ask questions. Like we don't have to know it all, but we're here to learn together. And then part of my job is to going, in, going into classrooms and providing teachers with tools to get the kids participating, to have the conversations come from the kids, the ideas come from the kids, and that's, that's my work. Pause. So you're telling us every math teacher at the elementary level, if you teach math, I'm calling you a math teacher, you don't have to know everything? You don't have to know everything, but you have to be curious. And if you're teaching it, I think you need to know, I think you do need to know where it's coming from and where it's going. The math concept. Like right. if you're teaching multiplication in third grade, you need to know what they're coming in with from second grade, how they're thinking about groups, and you need to know where you're going, where you want them to be for fourth grade. And a, and I think so. And to follow up a little bit, though, when I say you don't have to know everything, but you're developing a community amongst your peers and colleagues who are also teaching, where if you don't know something, and they do, how we collaborate, yeah. how we working together as adults, just as we want the children exactly. to work together. Exactly. And when I think when you have a really successful, vibrant adult learning community, you have it, it trickles down to the kids. And it's, it's, it's really important. So my work has kind of shifted from creating that with kids to now trying to create that with adults. And it's exciting because um, I think every, all of us want to be in a learning community where we can ask questions and learn from each other. And even those of us who know math and have good math experiences, pedagogy is always changing. Research is always changing. So we have to change as well. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. That willingness to change is key because while different research is giving us new information, we have to consider our classroom environments of children within them are changing. Exactly. And, not, right. and changing from a race ethnicity piece, changing from gender identity piece, changing from uh, multilingualism mm -hmm. within schools. All these pieces are happening. And a lot of us, we're not, let's be honest, we're not prepared for this environment. So what are some things you're doing now in these building communities to help prepare teachers, not only just from the math side, but let's help them prepare for the diversity of student learners that are walking into their, in the, into their building. We have to know our students well. And so one of, we have like a pillar at our school, we have to know our students well, who are, you know, forget, you know, like you said, forget math for one second. Who is this child? Where was this child last year? Where does this child live? What does this child like to do? What interests this child? Also something we're dealing with now that I'm trying to wrap my head around is like attention, attention spans, right? Like kids are very used to fast moving video lights in their, in their face. You know, even to television shows are so much different, so much more fast paced than we're used to. So what does that look like? How can we create places where kids learn how to sustain attention for a long time when it's not so flashy? I mean, there's a lot of changes that we have to figure out as the kids in front of us change, their experiences changes. The last two years has, have been ex unprecedented, you know. So we are always trying to figure out who are our children in front of us and how can we respond to who they are in our teaching. I'm going to be honest. I, I'll say this. You don't have to say this. It's 2022, and we really expect a child to sit still for a 45 minutes to 60, in some cases 90 minutes block, and just do math or do whatever subject area. 
in an environment where they're programmed to they're program to move around, to engage. Mm-hmm. And it could be through an app on the iPad. It could be literally them walking up at the elementary level, playing on the playground. We're not harnessing that same energy in our classroom environments. Mm-hmm. I love when I work with elementary um, teachers, work at elementary schools. Folks are like, we can't get them to talk. We can't get them to engage. I say, what do you mean? They're like, in math, it's just yeah. quiet. I'm like, let's go to recess. Yeah, it's not quiet there. I, I see them playing. <laughs> I see them engaging. Yes. I see them collaborating. I see them making sense. I yeah. see them doing yeah. all these yes. things. Mm-hmm. So when they come into the classroom environment, it's not the child. Yeah. It's the environment that we've created. So what are we doing as elementary educators in the space to create mm-hmm. a live and exciting mm-hmm. environment? And some folks are going to listen to this episode. He wants us to put on the show. I'm not asking you to put on the show. <laughs> I'm asking us to create an environment that's conducive to children mm-hmm. engaging and interacting mm-hmm. at that level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're not entertainers, right, as teachers. I was just having this conversation. However, you do need to think about how you are going to capture the attention of the, ch- of the children. I think knowing the ma- knowing the children is, is essential. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do any... I, I think if a kid feels like they're not known or the teacher doesn't care to know that, I mean, there's only so much learning that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If the child feels known and seen and valued, and the teacher knows the math, the experienced teacher, I think, can can hook the child, can figure out what in this math, you know, c- could this this child, these children, this class care about? <laughs> how do I get right. them? How do I get that attention? Because I mean, I think we all know and hopefully believe, no, all kids want to succeed. I don't think any kid is lazy, and so it's about figuring out what to what how to get their attention on you and what not on you, but on the class on the. And the learning that's happening because the tension's there. The talking's there. I, I also have to cover lunch duty. Like they can talk, they can listen to each other. They can, you know, in math, we always talk about, you know, creating viable arguments and critiquing the reason of others. Ooh, they, can do that. they can do that. <laughs> they can do that. It's just giving them, making them feel like math is connected as part of their world. It's not something that, you know, it's like math class. Okay, I'm going to shut down. It has to be the opposite. You know, you have to give them experiences to make it feel meaningful. And when you give them those meaningful experiences, they rise. Oh, but yeah. it starts off with what I'm hearing you saying. You have you look at them through an asset based lens. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes in education as a whole, we bring this deficit lens of what they don't do, what mm-hmm. they can't do, mm-hmm. as opposed to what are they doing. Mm-hmm. As exactly. you mentioned, you've had lunch duty before. I've had lunch duty before, <laughs> and you see some amazing things. Mm-hmm. However, you want to describe amazing <laughs> in lunch duty. Again, just as I stated earlier in recess, how are we harnessing yes. that energy yeah. in the classroom? How are we changing environments? Now, you mentioned a mathematical practice. It's, it's developing intentionality with the problem yes. solving that you're positioning with children. Yes. And, go ahead. And that, that is the work of the teacher, right? To know that to be, to be that intentional, you have to really know the math. Like, how do we scaffold this so that you know, you can give kids the grade level content in a way that's not intimidating, you know, based on their past experience. And it's thinking about going from using for elementary teachers from starting with concrete to representational mm-hmm. to abstract mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. how we provide in these building blocks. We're right now filming this episode in New York City and New York City is known for skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. I'm from the South. We don't have as many skyscrapers, but the key for every one of these skyscrapers as I look out the window is they have a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you're doing through these problem strings is building solid foundations and then going up. If we don't have a solid foundation, these buildings will fall. Yeah. 
Yep. Same thing with the child in the class. If we don't give them yes. a solid foundation, give them some wins, we wonder why they don't do well as they uh, get to advanced math. It's because we haven't de yes. developed that solid foundation. That's why I'm going back to this concrete representation of abstract. For my elementary teachers, I harp on, give them chances using yes. manipulatives and to engage in the mathematics yep. and not just give me the answer. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's really the privilege I, that elementary school teachers have in this, like we can build that strong foundation, you know, and we can give students this idea, right, from five to 10 years old, that they belong in the math classroom, so that they're likely to, to take an AP class when they get into middle school or high school, or they're likely to say advanced math is for me. And you know, math is a gatekeeper, right? In, in New York City, you have to pass algebra regents to get your high school diploma. We need we need students to to feel like to go into middle school. Math is for me, and so I think elementary school teachers have a real privilege of being able to provide that um, kind of identity shaping. And I can't agree. I mean, with the manipulatives too. It's 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 about helping kids truly construct their ideas, and it takes time, and it's messy, and but it's it can be pretty pretty sweet. But at the end. And I want to rephrase that a little bit. It takes time. I think it really takes patience. It does. Because oftentimes as we're going through um, classroom instruction using curriculum materials, we're assuming every child has to get it at the same time, yeah. the same pace. But there's an analogy that goes around with popcorn. Everyone that's pop popcorn, they start popping at different times. Yeah. Still popcorn. Yep. Still going to give us the desired result. Mm -hmm. But are we patient enough to allow every child that opportunity yeah. to pop? To pop. It's similarly, someone once said to me, you know, imagine you have a little kid, two year old, and you drop them off at daycare and they say today, <laughs> let's say the, ch the child's 10 months and you drop them off at daycare. Today, we're going to teach everyone to walk. You know, it's like you would never do that. Right. For babies, you would never do even like, oh, they're three. Today, we're going to teach everyone. We're going to toilet train everyone. You know, kids are ready for things at different times. And we know that when they're young and then we get caught up in the standards and the tests and we have to get them like you said, all to the same place. And it's it's tricky for teachers to be able to balance, you know, well, this, this child is developing a sense of place value and this child is, you know, kind of past that and doing other things. That's that's hard. And it goes back to teachers needing to really know the, tra the trajectory where things are going. Right. Understanding that learning progression. And yeah. what I tell teachers, always understand, what is the bigger picture of what we're trying to yeah, accomplish? Yeah, yeah. We don't, if they don't get it on Monday, we still have time over the year to get it. Yeah. But if I understand that progression and I do some spiral reviews, I can always come back to mm -hmm. it. But oftentimes we're so focused on, I got to get it today and move mm -hmm. on. But how's the mathematics building? If they don't get this piece, or right, I'm going to come back to it here and make sure they get it. And on the end of the year, I've, make, I've given them the building blocks that they need to be successful as a mathematics child that... I'm be, I'm put it out there. Every child loves math. How can you not love yeah, math? Because it's all around us and you're engaging the math every day. What they don't like is how it's been presented to them mm -hmm. or how they engage mm -hmm. within it. Mm -hmm. uh, which I want to shift gears a little mm -hmm. bit because a lot of math education leaders are looking at this episode and seeing what you're doing and creating these cultures and environments. What would you tell at the, for the elementary leader? And this and let's think it may be a principal watching this. It may be a district person thinking I need to do something more with my elementary environment. What would you posit to them as something you would say, this is something I would recommend doing a, mm -hmm. a call to action within the field? Engage adults in doing math. Have them do the math. Um, 
Think of some like juicy, meaty problems um, that will get adults talking to each other, um, problems that have many different ways to solve and many different entry points. I think so much of um, my own teaching has been influenced by my experience as a student. Um, so I think you can make a lot of instructional decisions based on what the experience is like for you as a student. Get your adult, get the adults doing some math, talking about it. What are the implications for our classrooms? I think that can, that can, that has huge leverage for change. So you're saying make adults make sense of problems and persevere. Solving. Yes. You said that. I didn't say it this time. <laughs> you said adults out there listening, you need to not just make sense, but you need to persevere mm -hmm. solving them. But I love how you say a lot of times as adults, stop being afraid to do the math. If you're afraid to do the math, what do you think children are going to do? And as you go through that problem solving process, I love to do, uh, I love to have, when I'm doing professional learning, teachers solve the math that we're going to go yes, teach in the classroom yes. because they have these aha moments. Yes. And what's funny, as they have aha moments and think through the math, when we go into their classroom, the same things yes. happen. <laughs> yes. But it's giving them that cognitive dissonance with rich problem solving tasks so that learning can take place for them, that they can reproduce within their classroom yeah. environments. And I think, too, They'll anticipate the misconceptions the students may have, and they can plan for that. I mean, that's that's what teaching is, right? I know this part's going to be hard. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What tools do I have? Whether they're concrete tools or a question, when this chat, wait, no, when this table gets stuck, or when they, you know, this misconception. And doing the math, you have those misconceptions yourself, and then you know how to teach into them. And when you think about doing the math, what I what I challenge every educator before they teach a lesson. Do the math yourself. One, you can figure out what are some misconceptions, what are some problem-solving strategies children may use, and then that allows you to select and sequence as you go along the way. Yes. And it totally transforms your class. But then also, I'm going to be honest, there are some math tasks that we use that are not good math tasks. Yes. But if you don't do them prior, you won't know it, yes. how my children in the classroom are going to explore this particular task. I, yes. I think choosing a task and doing a task are two very different things. So, yes, so many insights. And then... At the elementary level, we're just giving you all nuggets. When you work through the math and do it yourself, that provides you an opportunity to focus on teaching for depth as opposed to teaching for breadth. And that's what we're trying to get at at the elementary level to provide that foundation. When you work through the math, you can see, is this going to give them that depth of understanding? Mm -hmm. Are they really going? Is it really going to click for them, or is it just a quick problem mm -hmm. and task? Mm -hmm. But it's taking that time beforehand, and it makes your classroom go so much smoother. Yeah, I think any shifts uh, a math leader can make from answer getting to sense making. I mean, give them the answer. <laughs> you know, we don't. Need, that's not even what we're here for. We're making sense. We're going deeper. You know, the sometimes you know they're kids, right? If, and math. If math. If math has been very focused on answer getting, that's what they're going to be thinking about. But if we think about making sense of the problem, persevering when we solve them. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot more deeper thinking and I think better conversations. I want to change gears as we wrap this mm -hmm. episode, and we're not gonna make do some perseverance right now. <laughs> but on every episode, I want to focus on not only giving folks knowledge of what we're doing as math educators in the field, but transitioning. Right now, you mentioned we've gone through a pandemic. Well, I can't say we've gone through it. We're still in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, this episode has been shot in 2022, the end of it, but. You're still in this field. You're still engaged in the work. So there's something that's bringing you joy mm -hmm. to keep doing what you do. Mm -hmm. And I want you to posit to our audience, what is bringing you joy? Because we see so many negative headlines, but I have the privilege of traveling the country. I see so many amazing folks doing the work still in it. 
that we don't highlight that enough. So what is bringing you joy to stick within this field of math education? Um, I mean, I think being around in an elementary school, it's, it's hard not to be joyful around kids. They are, they remind us of the good in the world. I mean, they're, they're naturally curious. They're naturally empathetic. They, um, have energy. They want to succeed and being around that energy every day. I think it brings me a lot of joy. The other day I was working with some students in, in my, in my room, um, students who have struggled in math for five years in elementary school. And, um, we were, we were working together on multiplication and this, this one student who just, she just said this and it, it brought me a lot of joy. She goes, Oh, she said, I, I just feel like I'm at home. And it was such a small thing that she said, but for me, what it, what it signified to me is that she just felt like safe and that she belonged in this space. Like we feel at home, like people know us and we're loved. And, and that when we're creating those spaces goes back to what happened to me when we're creating those spaces for kids. I mean, that's what brings me that joy, making, making a child who's, who's, you know, math experience has been, she's had to persevere and all the time over and over and over again. And for her to feel while doing math that she's that comfortable, um, just a story I wanted to share. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And it's been amazing having you on this, this episode of Inspiring Voices for the Classroom. Thank you, Sophie, for everything that you do each and every day and continually push teachers to broaden their knowledge and to engage children. That's what it's all about. The end of the day, our work is timeless because we're engaging the next generation and appreciative of the work that you do. This has been Inspiring Voices from the Classroom with your host, Dr. Christopher J. Childs. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Fill out the online submission form at www.christopherchilds.com shows.